Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Colony Drop, a podcast that celebrates the entire meta genre that is Mobile Suit Gundam. My name is Brian, my co-host is Isaac, and on today's episode, we conclude our review of Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin. We pick up right where we left off last week with Isaac's favorite dysfunctional family, the Zobbies. Hope you all enjoy. Speaking of Zobbies, I felt like Garma really came off as a, a tragic... I wouldn't even say he was a villain because Garma's he's a little more than a puppet for his family, right? He's only at the academy because his family wants him to be there. He only tries to excel because, you know, that's what his family wants and because of his last name. I viewed him as very much a tragic character overall in this story, um, especially with how we know how he ultimately ends. Garma's not innocent by any stretch of the imagination, but it was just sort of sad, I think, watching him being so pressured and you know, maybe not being the best person he wanted to be. It's kind of getting pulled along and strung along by Char. What do you think about Garma and seeing this side of Garma? Yeah, I agree. He definitely has this major inferiority complex in basically every aspect of his life. You know, he, he's worried about being seen as in the Academy only because of his family. He's worried about not living up to Char. He's worried about having ranks below Char. He's worried about not having as good of an assignment as Char. He's he just the the whole time he's he's worried about not being seen as in a position of power. But there was like one part where he was upset that he was being placed in a position not on the front lines, and he has to go ask Dozel to like make it happen so that he could you know not just stay at the the zombie palace basically. And I agree, he tried really hard. And like if you think about what Char's upset about, Garma really doesn't have anything to do with it, right? He's not involved. In the plot to kill Zeon Zoom Daikun, Garma's no. sin is his last name is Zabi, right? And that's yeah. that's kind of what Shard tells him when he kills him, right? Doesn't he say like, "Blame this on the misfortune of your birth"? Something like that. You know, yeah. If Garma maybe wasn't a Zabi, I don't know that Shard would really care about killing him. It's pretty tragic. I agree. Also, it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting that in the little garrison attack, it's really the Shar show, <laughs> like. <laughs> Garma had almost nothing to do with it except pretty much giving the go-ahead. And then I think he like commands the mortar team, right? Yeah, <laughs> far, yeah. From the, far from the actual battle. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, he does some geometry and says, you know, adjust your thing. That was actually a great scene, too, because if you remember later that episode or the episode afterwards, the zombies, they know that, that Char was the instigator. Like, they know that Garma didn't do it on his own. And that's why... They pull Shar in and they, you know, berate him or whatever. And I thought that was pretty in character for the zombies because they're all sharp individuals. So they, they knew right away that Garma was being manipulated. <laughs> yeah. He's a bit of a tone deaf guy, too. Even as a child, remember, he was at the funeral and, like, he, I guess he, like, kind of smiled at Shar, right? Like, like you want to play later or something like that? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. And Shar just gives him, like, a look to, like, silence him. <laughs> And then Garma's like, oh, wait, I forgot we're at a funeral. We're supposed to be sad. <laughs> I mean, I guess if anything, Garma always came off as a very honest <laughs> character. Like, he was always trying really hard. Yeah. He just... Oh, <laughs> Remember when the Sashra dies? <laughs> oh, yeah. And Garma's just... Well, understandably, Garma's freaking out. He had no idea the bomb was going to go off, but... Yeah. I think Kaecilia was there to calm him down. <laughs> Good thing. Yeah, I, yeah, so this is actually interesting. I was reading um, some discussion online, just various forums, and some people were actually, they had different takes on, like, who killed Sasaro. And I thought it was very Ooh. clear that 
Casilia did it. Yeah, so what, what was your thought? Um, you, you know, some people actually did think that Jimba did it, or maybe some people thought that Degwin and Giran did it. And I could see, mm. I could almost see the Giran and Degwin one because of the way that sometimes the recap by the narrator is done. It kind of frames it like the zombies wasted no time in taking control of the situation, and then they would show the car bomb. And I, I could sort of see that, but I thought it was very clear that Cassilia was out for revenge and she hated Sasaro after he slapped her in front of the whole family. I guess putting that information forward, Brian, you've sort of presented me a possible third option that Cassilia might have gone to Dagwin and Giran and said, okay, Sasaro needs to go. <laughs> oh. And we, and we can use it to our advantage. Here's how. Oh. You know, that's, that's interesting. Possi- yeah, that's a possibility too. I mean, what also shocked me about the slap scene, the infamous slap the slap, the slap heard across the, uh, <laughs> across side three. <laughs> Is it, do you think it was more powerful than a bright slap? Ooh, I'm going to say, well, hmm. no, <laughs> I'm going to say no. Cause a bright slap can knock you off your feet. <laughs> All right. A Sastro slap, Sastro, I assume sits at a desk usually, right? And he plots his little political schemes. Based on his physical yeah. condition. Yes. I think he sits at a desk. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'll, mini I'll also, mini Dagwin. Yeah. I'll also say that uh, Kaecilia, to her credit, you know, she took it like a champ and she didn't move. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just, her feet stayed planted. Her her head moved and her like, upper body, I guess. Yes. But, um, you know, she was so stunned by it. She just sort of sat there frozen for a while. And it's like, wow, that really happened. Yeah, well, um, she got her revenge. Yeah. So I, I, I'll say I, don't, I do not think that Giran was in on it. I do know that Giran knows that Kaecilia did it. Because there's a scene later where he tells her to pray for Sasaro's soul in a, in a knowing tone. And that was his way of telling her that he knows what I, like, I know what you did. But I agree, maybe maybe she did go to Degwin. I, I, although I got the sense that Degwin liked Sasaro, so I'm, I'm not sure anymore. Other than I'm fairly confident that Cassilia was at least one of the people involved in that car bomb. I don't see the Federation being involved at all. The Rawls obviously weren't involved by their horrified reaction at what happened. Yeah, this is Kaecilia all over it. Maybe other parties, but definitely Kaecilia. I don't remember Dagwin having much love for Sastro in the brief time that we saw them together. Maybe just because he looks the most like him. He's the only child that looks like him, Yeah, yeah. One thing I read on Sastro that's interesting is apparently Sastro, at least according to the wiki page, Sastro was first mentioned in the original novelization of Mobile Suit Gundam. Obviously, he wasn't a big part, and he didn't make it to the original series. But I guess he didn't originate in Origin, although it seems like Origin gave him pretty much all of his story. That's interesting, yeah. You'd have to go further before Origin to actually see his life, but it really has no bearing on Gundam, so (laughs) I I doubt we'll see more of Sassero. (laughs) Comment below if you're a big Sassero fan. (laughs) I mean, he was dead by what, like thirty minutes in yeah, or so. He just, he just can't get enough of that slap. <laughs> so bring back Sosros, the uh, the Gundam slap pilot. <laughs> I mean, and then one more thing on that car bomb is, you know, if assuming Cassilia did it, I mean, talk about disregard for Dozel. I mean, poor dude, yeah, he's sitting right next to him. I guess she doesn't like Dozel either, or maybe she viewed him as collateral damage. I mean, in her defense. I'm not sure how good she is at car bombs, but it's pretty clear that she 
put the bomb on her Sassero seat. <laughs> so maybe she <laughs> underestimated like how much of an explosion it actually make. She thought it'd be relatively small and Sassero would die, but like those would be mostly okay. <laughs> and to yeah. her credit, he was pretty okay. I mean, it looked like he only had lacerations and bleeding. It didn't look like he was had broken bones or damaged internally. At least, you know, that was my estimate. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. The the explosion definitely was clearly directed right under Sasura's seat. Yeah. You know, Dozel was engulfed in flames, and I seems like he must have had some debris in his face. But yeah, he's a he's a Hulk of a man. And uh, what did you describe him as in that previous episode we did? Like the tallest man ever, or something? Like he's just oh. he's enormous. Yeah, I rem- I don't remember the uh, the zombie height lineup. There's an online <laughs> image of like the zombie height lineup, and I think he's like over seven feet. Yeah, something insane. <laughs> he he has to be. If there was a fight between like a bear and Dozel, I would bet on Dozel. <laughs> Probably. I mean, he survived an explosion. What could a bear do? <laughs> <laughs> We've seen him bend metal at like his bridge, commanding his fleet. So I think he'd be able to choke out a bear with like one hand. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably fair. There were so many good things with the zombies in in, in this in this show. I mean, it, there was that scene right before the Dawn Rebellion, which kind of sparks the Dawn Rebellion, where a Solomus class, I think, or I think it was a Solomus, or maybe a Magellan class, crashes into that agricultural block. Do you? Oh think... God, Captain McReckless. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, was that guy really reckless, or was that done on purpose by Giren? Ooh, it's how could Giren have done it? It looked like the pilot. Or at least the captain didn't want to obey. But it was it, it was so reckless that right? I could not. It was so reckless that I could not believe that someone would actually do that, where they just like kept going <laughs> forward and expected the other person to move. So I don't know. I sort of assumed that Garen was also behind that. I think that's a a fair estimation, but I just read that into being more of the Federation being somewhere on the border of, you know, incompetent to um corrupt and just inefficient again it was typical federation policy to sort of look down on the space noids and want to you know be first in line or have everybody else move out of the way i, I just yeah. saw it as that yeah. yeah oh that's that's probably fair so uh, <laughs> one, one other thing i want to mention on Cassilia. sure she, well i Ooh. think she had she had one of the best scenes in the whole six uh six films it's that scene i think it's either the last or, or next to last episode where degwin's having that discussion with Giran. And, you know, Dagoon is saying we should use this this point to stop and get an agreement with the with the Federation. And Garen says, no, I want to keep going. Uh, and then Dagoon compares him to, to Hitler and Napoleon. And then Garen leaves and Dagoon says something to Cassilia, who's been there the whole time, eavesdropping on yeah. the conversation. And he's and he tells her, you're the only one who's going to be able to get rid of Garen. Like he's wow. he's going to tear this country apart. And I was like. Oh, that makes so much sense given how the, given how the you know the original series ends. Like, Dagwin is is now plotting against his own children using another child. <laughs> Man, what messed up the Zabi? <laughs> like, Mrs. Zabi, wherever you are, you got out the wrong time or at the right time. <laughs> yeah, filed for divorce and left for uh, I don't know Jupiter. <laughs> yeah. I don't, we still don't know what happened to the original Miss Zabi. I think there's the second Miss Zabi is Garma's mother, as I understand it. But the other ones, I, oh. I think, have a different different mother. Maybe that's why Dagwin is so protective of Garma, is 
he's from the second marriage or the second wife. Maybe mm-hmm. he loved loved that one better and or didn't end as quite as bad. And she died wow. in childbirth, I believe, based on the original novelization. Uh, well, so. that says a lot about Dozel then, and makes him an even nicer guy for you know being so close and protective of uh, Garma. I think overall Dozel came out pretty good relative to his other zombie brethren. Yeah, you know what? If Dozel was on the Federation side, or even a character on like the White Base, he would be some of people's favorite characters because he'd be such a, you know, the big brother that's like really loud and boisterous and protective, you know, a bit crude, but also like he would have like a lot of funny scenes and funny moments. He'd probably pilot like a really, you know, heavy type mobile suit or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he he would be a good candidate to pilot your favorite um, uh, oh, GM cannon. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, the uh, was it? Yeah, Jim Cannon from um, Double Eighty Three. Yeah, yeah. The or, armor. Yeah, with with double uh, armor. <laughs> double. There's like a second layer. You know what I liked in the slap scene a lot was um, how nobody saw it coming. <laughs> like if you know, everybody has different reactions. Like mm-hmm. you know, well, Cecilia is obviously surprised yeah. it happened. Dagwin wasn't in the room. I don't think Garma either was. I wonder what Dagwin would have done if he actually saw it happen. I think he would have been upset. Probably, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dozel got really shocked. And I like how Girin doesn't say anything. He just like squints his eyes really quick. Like he was like, eh, that must have hurt. Or even <laughs> he didn't see that coming. Yeah. Well, at that point, too, I mean, Sasaro was kind of the mastermind before Girin, right? So maybe Girin didn't want to criticize. Sasaro, not that he would, given that it's Cassilia and Garen kind of hates everybody, but he, yeah, Garen is definitely a, a watch and observe and, and scheme. So it, it kind of makes sense. There you go. Another reason that Garen and Cassilia were probably in on it. Mm, could be. Two things I wanted to point out about Dozel that really Do shows it. how he's, he's like a a better zombie, or like a better person than the pretty much the rest the, of the zombies. The best of the zombies. <laughs> yes, rel- relative. He, he still participated in the gassing. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I changed my mind. <laughs> we'll put Garma at that level. <laughs> That's fair. You know, there. I think there was this in the first episode, maybe, where they're chasing around. They're trying to get a hold of Casval and, uh, and Artesia. And there's, like, some van or something full of kids. And Dozel doesn't want to fire on it. But Girin gives the order to, to go ahead and fire on it. And Dozel is just, like, floored that Girin would give such an order. And I don't think they end up killing the kids or whatever in the van. But... Right there, you know, there's some some hesitation, and then I, you know, he's the only one, really. After all the all of his men die, or not all of them, but a decent amount of you know Zeon soldiers die in the Battle of Loom, he's the only one that asks for a moment of silence. You know, and he says, "I will, you know, I will never forget our fallen comrades today." But Garen doesn't really care. He's just watching it all from a computer screen, yeah. right? By um, himself. <laughs> yeah, by yeah, by himself, <laughs> creepily. Yeah. Uh-oh. The lights off. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, blow up that ship. <laughs> oh, they're running out of air. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Lock and load, Zaku. <laughs> then he like he takes a little hit of the double G gas. He's just like, ah. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm falling, falling on Australia. <laughs> oh, the zombies! What a what a mess! Christ, yeah. That's enough about the zombies for now. Yeah. You know who it could have done scene without. Lala. <laughs> I know I'm not a big Lala fan, but did we really need to know how she and Char met? The whole little save her from trafficking and all that operation. I felt like it was a waste of time. We could have focused on something else in the story. I know you're not a Lala fan. I thought it was good to see how they met 
and maybe that Shar kind of only cared about her the whole time. If you think about it, because given how it was presented in, in this series, they met, you know, before the one year war. But then they, they have a, a scene later where like all the women are flirting with Shar after I think the Battle of Loom when he's, you know, whatever, a lieutenant commander. Yeah. It's like a double rank promotion. So I thought it was nice to see that maybe at that point, you know, Shar is very popular now, but he really only cares about Lala. So I thought it was good to see how they met. What I could have done without was that like sort of absurd like fight with the guy who used like this spinning throwy thing. Oh, yeah. That's where it like kind of went too much for me. I don't think that was necessary. But again, it's kind of like the knight scene, right? Like this the yeah. suit of armor guy. We didn't really <laughs> we didn't really need that. It could have just been a different fight, maybe sure. less <laughs> over the top. I don't know. You're right. Shar has the weirdest combat scenes in person. <laughs> fights a knight he fights a guy throwing like a i don't know what what do you call that a bladed um you know circle? what it reminds me of didn't xena use that yeah in... that is exactly i forgot what they're called not chakras chakra uh, i don't know something like that it was a chakram maybe maybe i don't <laughs> comment below uh, if you're a medieval or ancient uh southwestern asian weapons expert yeah. You know exactly what kind of weapon that was. It's called a chakram. Yeah. So, so it's like a bladed frizz, or not a bladed frisbee. It's like a, more like a bladed um, boomerang. Like you launch at your enemy, but if you miss, you you get a second shot because you get yeah. it back. But like, why okay. does it come back? It's not shaped like a boomerang. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but that maybe fight. that guy was a new type. We'll never know. That's... <laughs> He I went mean, into seed mode, Brian, and he, he recalled it. Oh, seed mode. That seed cracks on the screen. That's how you know it, it's about to get real. I, I would have just turned it off. That fight was, was at least cool it because it gave us our first new type flash. Yeah. So, so I'll give it that. But yeah, I could have done without the chakram fighting. But I was okay with seeing how he met Lala because I, I don't think we saw that in the original series. So I thought it was okay. Yeah, I suppose so. So how about Ramaral? So like I said before, I thought he was maybe the most heroic, maybe the hero we needed. The guy was a yeah. beast in a bar fight. He beat up like five Federation soldiers by himself. Yeah. What cracked me up was he he drove a blue SUV, which I loved because, you know, that's <laughs> his color. And I, I thought Hamon, his like wife or lover, whatever, yeah. I thought she was a great character in this. She she was like, she gives uh, credit to that saying, you know, there's a successful woman behind every successful man. I thought she was just really badass the whole time. She piloted that gun tank. She told off Cassilia's secret service members, and they kind of just like chickened out after they talked to her, and they just kind of scampered yeah. away. They, weren't, uh, they didn't expect to come into her like, <laughs> bar and face such verbal resistance. Yeah, she got like a, a huge tongue lashing from her. Uh, I just thought she was a great, great character. She didn't get as as much screen time. As Ron Morrell did in the original series. But yeah, she was she was cool. I liked her a lot. Speaking of women that used to be at that bar, Char and Sayla's mom, she uh. had just such a tragic, tragic story. I got pretty sad watching that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I don't really care much for Char or Sayla too much, but I was like, God, they can't even see their mother. She has to stay behind and waste away on like literally like locked in a tower. <laughs> yep. I don't know why they included the whole bizarre that thing where Zeon had a previous wife and she's a nut. 
<laughs> yeah, that was really strange. Well, it's, I think it was because um, she, she couldn't have children, basically. Yeah, she said yeah. that. But I mean, yeah. just the whole the whole plot of it being there. Like, you could have almost just had Char's mom just be killed in, I don't know, the chaos of the transition in power or something like that. It was, It just seemed odd that she withered away, really, and died in a tower. Yeah, so I, I guess the whole, the whole point of the original first wife, I guess, was just to be the dragon that kept her locked away. Yeah. So there was two things I was going to ask you about Astrea. So one, this kind of plays into the whole knight scene, like the knight combat. So the whole knight thing is very like medieval slash fairy tale thing, right? He, like Char fights this knight to yeah. save his sister. And then this, I, I got the same like medieval fairy tale vibe from Astrea being locked in this tower. So maybe they were just trying to create this overall fairy tale like yeah. narrative for Shar and Sela. So maybe that's what they were going for. I could um, see that. Yeah. Still weird that a guy shows up <laughs> in a suit of armor and attacks you, but I feel like it's it's very much a corrupted fairy tale in a way because Sela doesn't really do anything but go tra- from tragedy to tragedy in this series and Shar pretty much becomes a worse person. This is very much the tragedy of Shar. He goes from being, you know, a son of a political leader and assumingly a pretty normal boy to becoming such a manipulative and murderous person at the end of the series, rightly or wrongly. You know, whatever you think about his quest for revenge, I, I, I assume it's justified. I, I would doubt anybody would agree that his desire for revenge isn't justified considering everything that happens to his family at the hands of the zombies. You know, at the end of it all, he's not a good person, I think. From origin through the original series, Zeta, Double Zeta, to Charge Counterattack. Not a good person. So the fairy tale, I feel like, turns very much into a nightmare if this is the case. Yeah, you're right. The fairy tale ends poorly for him and he goes on a revenge plot and although he maybe he's justified relative to the zombies maybe he's less of a bad person relative to the zombies but that doesn't make him necessarily a good person like you said yeah and more so or at least even more tragically the zombie name ultimately transitions into being under maneva something that's more um hopeful definitely more aspiring to uh, help people and end conflicts instead of you know starting them for power and wealth you know why? That's because Maneva was Dozel's kid. And Dozel, you got me there. <laughs> and Dozel was a gregarious oaf, the heart of gold. That he, Sure, he gassed some people one day, but relative to where he came from, maybe that wasn't the, the worst. <laughs> That's true. I mean, if he didn't, you could make the argument that Cecily Ensgiron would probably begin plotting his death, right? Oh, for sure. Um, At some point. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it really cute how Dozel met his wife? <laughs> that, <laughs> so it was it was cute, but it was also creepy. Because at that point, isn't she only like, well, I, I don't know. How old are you in the military academy? I assume this is post high school. So this is essentially their college, right? I mean, you only go to like West Point or like, you know, the Air Force Academy after you graduate high school. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe that's maybe that's fair. Because I guess at the time, Dozel would have been what in his like, low 20s mid 20s he's a grizzly man i would be generous at saying he's in his late 20s at his youngest (laughs) no i'm pretty sure dozel so no he's supposed to be he's supposed to be 27 
think he's, you're he's, right now. Do, yeah. Dozel's twenty Dozel's twenty eight in Mobile Suit Gundam. So if this was if the military academy was what, I don't know. I forget the exact year, but let's say five to ten years before that. So that would put him in his like mid twenties probably when he did that. So Wow. Okay. Uh, I'll give that to you. Yeah. Otherwise it's creepy. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Was, I completely so... agree. Completely inappropriate. But I don't know. Like it was like her bravery kind of impressed him. So he was like, Wow. The one person they send to try to keep me here is her. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the woman I want. Yeah, yeah. no, I I think it thematically it makes sense for Dozel, but yeah, just the age difference maybe it's a little interesting. Uh, also, like, could she refuse? <laughs> he outranks her. Like, yeah, I know, right? Hopefully, yeah. the Zeon military has um appropriate protections for <laughs> for such uh, such levels of harassment. <laughs> yeah, maybe Dozel will get me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The last thing I wanted to bring up about Astrea and get your opinion on was, I mean, clearly she died from some illness. I assumed it was heartbreak, but I don't know. Do you think they poisoned her as well? Ooh. Oh, you mean the zombies? Yeah. Um, hmm. Was there any hint that, like, somebody there was poisoning her? I know the the little butler staff there seemed pretty oppressive in their approach to keeping her there, but... I would have hoped that they would have hinted that, like, oh, it's time for your peppermint tea or something like that. Or have that old lady say, you know, prepare her more tea or something like that. And then we would have been like, ah, they're making a big point about the tea. It must be something in the tea. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there was really any hint of that. It it just seemed odd to me that, you know, they, they clearly poisoned Zeon. Yeah. And she was his wife. They sort of locked her away in this tower. This is the only place that, you know, the zombies will will let her be and sort of not do anything. So just her being around is a threat to them. You know, why not get rid of her? And they didn't say why she was mad. I mean, the I think the official explanation is just that it was like stress, or just like you said, heartbreak of you know being away from her children. So yeah, I don't know. I, I thought poison was a plausible explanation, but yeah, it's plausible. If they did it, I wish. I mean, if that's actually the reason, I think it could have been done better and shown to us more clearly. But I assumed it was a combination of not being allowed to leave that room, so that's not good for your mental health, combined with, you know, the loss of her husband. She's not able to see her children. She's indoors all day. She's not getting vitamin D. They killed her the most politically efficient way. I guess they could kill her without killing her. I'm going to add that to the wiki. Vitamin D uh, deficiency. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the zombie's newest weapon is vitamin D deficiency. <laughs> That's gonna get you. We're going uh, straight for the liver. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so we've talked about the gun tanks. We've talked about uh, the gun cannons. Wow, what an embarrassment! Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about the mobile workers or the Zaku's really, as well as the uh, the various capital ships, because I thought the capital ships had quite the showing here. Yeah. And I know you, I know you love your capital ships. Awesome fleet battle. Yeah. So, what did you think? I, I I felt like the Magellans and the and the uh, Salamises seemed a lot more resilient than than, than the Musais in this. Did you, did you get that? Well, yeah. And I, what I loved also about this series, well, I really enjoyed. Goodness, loved was a strong word. Let me take that back. <laughs> what I like seeing was a little uh, reward to people that pay close attention. Is we clearly see what the Musais are based on. Early on in the series, they're based on like these shipping 
ships, shipping ships, <laughs> these transport ships, um, <laughs> civilian that are used by side three. They have the same appearance. Um, they're just not, you know, the color and they don't have like a, a bridge and all that or weapons, but they're clearly transport ships painted white and they look like moose ice. <laughs> so I assumed this shows that Xeon ships weren't some newfangled capital ships that they developed to, you know, outgun Solomuses or outgun Magellans. Because at the end of the day, you don't even need to count the guns. You just can look at a Musai and a Solomus or a Magellan. And the Musai has way less weapons. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just took this to mean that the reason the Musais are so fragile is that they're really using transport ships that have been upgraded, whereas the Solomus and the Magellans are obviously designed by a very well-funded government for um, space combat. I did like Dozel's little explanation at the end where he's like, oh, you know, we our Musais, they're great because they have a better uh, profile and, and there's there's better forward shielding and then like they immediately get hit by all these Federation <laughs> beam weapons and they just yeah. start crumbling and, and even Garma's like, but you said they had good shields. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I that was bullshit. I don't believe anything Dolso says that's like <laughs> technical or technical in nature. <laughs> if it um, came from Minoski, I would believe him, but it didn't come from Minoski. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I gotta say, never has the Zaku been as cool as it was in this show. It was awesome, man. I love it. even the mobile worker. I love seeing it in like their little test fight, right, where they just mm-hmm. sort of blast it with machine guns from the uh, the gun tank and stuff like that. Yep. yep. Um, it really held up on its own. But man, they made these Zaku's move like Gundams. <laughs> oh, yeah. They- <laughs> right. They're doing like flips and stuff, and like they're blowing up Solomus's left and right, and throwing you know bazookas to each other and. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it was it yep. was pretty awesome. It's the Zaku show, and it shows just how outclassed the uh, Federation space fighters were. You could tell just how much the animators loved the Zaku. I'm sure all the animators probably grew up watching Gundam, and now yeah. they got to make, like you said, the Zaku show, right? And they gave yeah. these they gave the Zaku's you know better weapons than we've ever seen the Zaku's have, right? <laughs> Shar had that huge rifle in the very beginning that shot like a you know around and it would it would penetrate into a ship and then blow up inside yeah. the ship oh man that <laughs> thing was super sweet and then they gave the tristars that huge heat hawk that had thrusters on the back of the axe head so that it would you'd be able to force it through a ship and then that's what uh you know one of the tristars does to to revel's ship which was amazing <laughs> and uh those bazookas you know, that were kind of a joke in the original series because Amuro would just, like, avoid them. Um, maybe they're not so good in mobile suit to mobile suit combat. But they right. really ruled the day here in, in the Battle of Loom. Those bazookas took out all the Federation ships. I know. Like, <laughs> this really captures how revolutionary mobile suit combat was. I can't think of anything in our own lifetimes that compares to it, but it must have been like the appearance of tanks on the battlefield for the first time, or even airplanes. You yeah. Could even make the, you could even make the case it was, might have been as revolutionary as the first guns. Man, they just tore fleets up to pieces. I loved watching it. The, the battle didn't go how I originally thought the lore said it went, but it was still fun to watch. I mean, I just can't believe how many fleets the Federation had out there. And then they sort of just determined, oh, we've got to pull back. You know, the Tianan fleet was, I guess, ultimately 
they from the from the jaws of defeat they could have snatched victory, but they didn't. And mm-hmm. man, they had the great Degwin in their sights. All yeah. they had to do was, was go through. <laughs> Guarded by like four ships or something. <laughs> yeah. like that. I, I think it was two. Would Dagwin really have stood his ground? Or <laughs> uh, I don't think no, Dagwin's the type to stand his ground. He would have had his his escort fleet, you know, stay behind and buy him time to boost out of there to side three. Yeah, yeah. So definitely the Zaku show. I think Shar Zaku went the fastest we've ever seen any mobile suit go. <laughs> yeah, you could almost say it moved like a red comet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of things we noticed. If you remember Dagwin scenes, <laughs> like I do, <laughs> Dagwin has like this little assistant. Like this guy has a uniform that looks nothing like a military uniform, and he has like a ponytail. He's like a, I don't know, this is a young-looking guy that's like always helping Dagwin walk around. Do you oh, remember really? that guy? Uh, no, I don't. No? I don't okay. think I do. Like, I was hoping for an explanation of this guy. Like, okay, is he, like, a cousin of the zombies or something like that? Is he, was he was he at the academy with, like, you know, Shar and um, Garma? And he was like, you know, I really want to, you know, work in government rather than the military. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this guy's whole job is to, like, whenever Dagwin needs to walk somewhere, he's the arm Dagwin holds on to. Mm, I don't, I can't say I remember that guy. Clearly I mean, you I... aren't memorizing <laughs> Dagwin scenes the way I am. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I will defer to you on any Dagwin scene for you know sure. Because you're just an Earthborn elite. <laughs> you're just a Fetty. <laughs> just just a Fetty. You know what? At least I don't have cosmic eye, cosmic ray damage on my eyes. How how dare you say that? You know I have to take eye drops. <laughs> you know I have to take them at random times when people are trying to get close to my face. <laughs> oh oh, excuse me. Don't look. I need to put my eye drops yeah. in. Can you hand me oh, my lunar ball mask? <laughs> Excuse me, fellas. I gotta go to this dark corner and put liquid in my face. <laughs> Do you remember that admiral that like Revel was talking to a lot? The guy who just stayed on Earth. Oh, Admiral Dop. Old guy. Admiral yeah, Dop. Yep. I think he was Revel's he, boss. Yeah, it seemed like he runs the Federation, and I, I don't know. I feel like there were a lot of things going on that we weren't completely shown or explained, like how he and Makuve kind of shared like a weird look, right? And then during Revel's speech, they look at each other again. Like, they're like, oh, we knew this was coming, or this, here we go again. So I'm not sure if there was some communication between Makuve and Dop. So. Well, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. I mean, Makuve did lead the, um, the Earth invasion team, right? So if Dop is on Earth, it's highly likely that he's dealing with Makuve or communicating with Makuve, at least in some fashion. I mean, leaders do communicate even during wartime. So Yeah, that's true. You know what else was a cool scene? When um, all the admirals were, um, you know, I think it was on the Great Day when we see, like, a bunch of, like, you know, admirals and stuff that are um, part of Xeon. I, th- I forgot who mentions it. Maybe it was Giran. He said, like, you know, if we lose this war, we'll be uh, killed or executed for crimes against humanity. And, like, all of them kind of visibly get, like, nervous. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but that's true. I w- what I really wish I would have seen was, like, Delaz in that lineup. Like, oh. I, wish they, I, I wish they included him because we saw, like, a bunch of other fleet admirals and officers that we've seen, but we didn't see Delaz. Yeah, I agree. I, I rewound that part 
to to check to see if yeah. there was anyone in there we knew. And the only person I noticed was Makuve. I did look for Delaz. Yeah. He should have been there. Yeah. He should have been, been there. Yeah. And it also would have been great to see Shima at the casting of the colony. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping for that too. Alas. But, such a pity. And a similar scene that was was really cool too was there was there was a scene, I forget which episode it was. I think it was before the one you just mentioned because uh, they wouldn't have been war criminals quite yet. It was when all the zombies were on one side of the table and Revel and all the Federation were on the other side of the table. And it mm-hmm. occurred to me that we didn't see that in the original series. Right? Like they were already they were already at war. They had no reason to talk to each other in person. Right. But this it was very surreal to be like, oh, there's there's all of the political characters and they're all in the same room. That's new. I think that was when Revel's being told that like the Federation has to re- withdraw, right? Uh yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That would have been right after the Dawn Rebellion, I think. Probably. Not what the Federation wanted to hear. <laughs> nope. Nope. And then and then Revel just, you know, gave it to him at the end. <laughs> yeah. One last thing I want to add in is that we already knew that Tim Ray was not a great father, but this <laughs> this show proved that he was a terrible father. There is literally a scene where Tim Ray comes home late and Frau Bo is leaving Amaro's house, basically because it seems like Frau is pretty much feeding and you know taking care of Amaro. I'm and Fra- other things. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> and Frau basically nicely accuses Tim of being a bad father. She basically says something like, I think you should spend more time with him. Okay, I gotta go. Bye. And then she runs away. And so what is what does he do? He goes in and immediately orders Amro to make him coffee and yells at him, which immediately proves that he is a terrible father. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Was this after the scene where he comes home and like Amro's like walking around in his underwear and like the house is a mess and he's like, the least you could have done is clean up and put on clothes when people come over or something like that. <laughs> Yes, yes, that is exactly the, the the scene I'm talking about. Okay, all right. <laughs> and that is also yeah, not... <laughs> that is also the scene where he says, "I can't believe you weren't wearing pants and you had a girl over." And I was like, "Well, uh, Mr. Ray, I'm sure you were a young man once. <laughs> Your son and the girl were clearly studying. <laughs> I bet, yeah, studying with the parents not home. <laughs> Talk about hitting the books. <laughs> Talk about studying hard." <laughs> I'm not sure we can label this as a clean podcast anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Not when Frau Bo's around. <laughs> she gave Amro an A. Oh, yeah. They call her Big Bo. <laughs> a in engineering. He knows where all the parts go. <laughs> He's very hands-on, mechanical. Oh. <laughs> Took it to the secret room. <laughs> anyway. Well, Brian, overall... Just from the, the bottom of your heart, first thing that pops in your mind, first thoughts. What do you think about Gundam Origin? I really enjoyed it. I think, given what it is, it's prevented from being great because it's not the main story. It's this thing that has to exist around the main story and can only do so many things. But with what it gave us, I thought it was great and I really enjoyed it. So I give it 8 out of 10 Haros. Damn, eight out of ten Haros. Wow. Well, okay. I'm gonna hold on. Ooh, hold on. Let ooh, me let me qualify uh-oh. that. We're I having think... an edit, a live edit in progress. <laughs> so, so I think if you're a fan of Gundam, or if you've been a fan of Gundam for a long time and you really like the Universal Century, I think I would give this 
an eight out of ten horrors just for showing us Operation British, the Battle of Loom, and all the scenes with the zombies and all of Shar and Sailor's backstory. If you have not watched Mobile Suit Gundam, maybe are not a fan of the Universal Century, then I think this is probably going to be closer to like a six out of ten horrors for you. That is a perfect analysis, sir. Once again, you're. <laughs> Once again, you show your new type abilities, Brian, because that was excellent. <laughs> I'm going to agree on everything except one thing. I'm going to add a 0.5 to the score for, well, at least the 8.5 score if you've seen other series in the Universal Century. This is one you should definitely watch because it rewards everything that you know. You get to see how things started. You get to gain more insight into the characters and how they got where they are. So it's definitely worth a watch in that way. If you haven't seen any Universal Century or maybe only seen one Universal Century series, don't watch this series yet. <laughs> you wait. You wait until you watch like, you know, Zeta, Shards Counterattack, the original series, W three, even eighth MS team I can get. Well, maybe not. You wait till you watch more Universal Century before diving into this because this is a prequel, okay? So you're not going to know a lot of what's going on and there actually isn't a Gundam in it. <laughs> there's, pic- <laughs> there's pictures of a Gundam, but there isn't actually a Gundam in it. <laughs> they say the word Gundam a few times, but... <laughs> Very briefly. So <laughs> I, I would say hold off on that until then. But the animation's beautiful. It's a great story. The combat is beautiful. You won't see a Gundam, but you'll see awesome <laughs> Zaku combat, awesome fleet battles. Say what you will about the original series, but I think one detraction from it was that the fleet battles weren't always massive in scale. You really don't see more than, I'd, I'd say there's three major f- fleet battles, maybe two only. In this series, though, you see possibly the biggest battle or second biggest battle of the one-year war in its entirety. So I really enjoyed seeing that. You know why you don't see any more fleet battles? Because all the (laughs) ships were destroyed in this one. (laughs) You're right about that, yeah. And the last thing I'll say, because you mentioned the animation, man, that tease at the end where they showed the white base in the new animation style, it made the white base look glorious. And I'm, I, I wish they would animate the rest of the manga volumes for the origin. I think we're heading there. There's no reason not to keep this ball rolling. So hopefully we see that in production after whatever else they're doing. I think it'd man, be awesome. Yeah. It looked great. And, um, and then and then we wouldn't have to sit here and say, if you haven't seen Gundam, don't, or, don't watch this. We could say, yeah. if you haven't seen Gundam, please watch all of it. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean... The- this is the perfect jumping off point because it ends on such a an awesome note. You know, if you really enjoyed Origin, and it's hard not to enjoy it unless you have no idea what's going on, um, you would definitely be pumped to watch the rest of the series unfold right from this starting point. Yeah, you see Bright on that yeah. ship. Oh, okay, this will be the last thing I mentioned. Sure. Um, there was one thing I really enjoyed about this is throughout the show they kept, they used the original. Like, I don't know, I was trying to find what song it is on the original soundtrack for Mobile Suit Gundam, but you know that theme that has the horns in it? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, they kept that. They kept that in here. I mean, they updated it a little bit, so it sounded a little bit newer, but I thought that was a great throwback. (laughs) And then at the very end, at least of the dub, they add, 
who will survive. And that was always said by the Mobile Suit Gundam narrator. And I thought that was the perfect way to end it. I loved that. And that, that that's what makes me so upset that the rest of the series is not redone in this animation. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. But, you know, I'm optimistic. Why not go back to the past and just polish it up and re-release it? <laughs> we, we would buy it, Sunrise Bandai. Put it Absolutely. out there. Absolutely. More importantly, we talk about it on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode. If you have any comments on Gundam The Origin, if you know where the night guy came from, the guy in in shining armor, the char thought, (laughs) please comment and tell us. Uh, Otherwise, smash that like button, comment, subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Who will survive?